All right, so uh, as, as Jordan just said there, Chris is going to be teaching us this morning, but I just want to, by way of, of introduction, kind of remind us, remind everybody kind of where we are, what we're doing right now. So we're in the middle of a series called All In for 2020, and the, the heartbeat of this series, kind of what, what the, the point of this series is, is to uh, show you what it looks like to be all in at Providence Church, to show you what it looks like to be uh, all in in all these different areas. So we've looked at front porch communities. We looked at discipleship groups a couple weeks ago. Last week, we, we looked at Providence Kids, and we introduced you to the, the new logo that we've got and this idea of these gumballs. And so we talked about that in the context of Providence Kids last week and what these gumballs represent. So if you weren't here this last week, you may be what are they, asking, what are these things up here? What are, what are they doing? I don't understand why they have all the gumballs. Well, here's the deal with these gumballs. So you got these five jars that are here, right here, all right? This first jar has 936, give or take, 936 uh, gumballs in it, all right? So 936 gumballs. Those 936 gumballs represent one week, one week from birth until graduation for, for a child. So one week for each gumball, right? So this is what this represents right here, 936. This one is 676 gumballs that are in there, and this is from kindergarten to graduation, right? So from kindergarten to graduation, so once your kid starts school, once a kid starts school, that's how many weeks they've got left until they graduate and they are, are heading off onto some path that they, they choose for themselves. This one here in the middle, this is 364 gumballs. This is middle school to graduation. So when middle school begins until graduation, this is where you will find it right here. Then this is high school to graduation, 208 weeks left. And then this final one here, you can barely even see the gumballs if you're there towards the back, is 100. And that is from the time they get their driver's license until graduation. So last week we focused on this end down here. This is birth through graduation, kindergarten through graduation, and we talked about Providence Kids and we said that we want to make sure that we aren't wasting these days, but instead we are putting money into the bank and we are investing in kids. That was the challenge as I was sitting out here thinking. I was, I was thinking about these gumballs right here and, and, and how much, how, how important it is to steward these things well. So you can imagine you know, about 15 jars of gumballs all around me. That's what we have in most of our classes, 15 to 20 kids that are in those classes. So instead of just one jar, a couple of jars like I have in my house that are my primary responsibility with my kids, when you serve in Providence Kids, when you are a part of Providence Kids, you have 15 jars of gumballs or 20 jars of gumballs around you that you get a chance to invest in instead of just uh, just a few. So it's, it's, it's an, an important stewardship that we have. And what I want to do today is I want to let Chris run with the sermon today to teach us today, moving from Providence kids, this end of the table, to Providence students, this end of the table. And what I want to challenge you is if you don't have any tie to Providence students, so you don't have any kids that's in Providence students, we're talking middle to high school here, you don't, have, you don't have any kids that are in there, you don't serve in there, and you feel like, you know what, this isn't really for me, I'm just going to check out here. I want to challenge you to not do that, because the reality is that Providence students are a part of Providence Church, and what affects them affects you. 
what affects my big toe affects the rest of my body, right? You've you stubbed your toe, you know that, uh, that, that that hurts, right? So Providence students, they're a part of the body. Any part, and I'm, hey, students, I'm not saying you're the big toe, but sometimes. So, um, but the, the reality is if it affects Providence students, it affects you whether you have a student in that ministry or not. And so that's why Chris is going to take this morning, he's going to talk about Providence students, students for us and this end of the table with the gumball. So Chris, you can take it away. Thanks, Tony. <clears throat> he just said about 90% of what I was going to say, so we're going to be to lunch early today. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's good to see so many of y'all, y'all here. Um, I hope you're having a good weekend. And if uh, you have to work tomorrow or not, I'm really glad that you're here this morning. Um, if we haven't met yet, I am Chris. I'm one of the worship leaders and student minister. I like to find myself out by the door right after the service, so say hey if I haven't met you yet. Um, and t- today is something I've been looking forward to for a real long time, um, getting to share with you all about student ministry. And really, I think back to months ago, way back when we first started thinking, you know, post-Christmas this year, how would we start the new year? And this idea came about to, to, to start uh, this year with talking about really the most fundamental thing we do as a church, and that is uh, be disciples, following Jesus. I thought, wow, that sounds like a really cool idea. What a great way to start 2020. So, you know, Tony, Tony gave you a lot of the background of the gumballs in particular, but I want to I recap just a little bit for those of you who may be new, um, maybe just joining us, um, and really recapping it just myself helps me sort of lead into to where I'm going to go uh, as well. Let me start by this. The mission statement of Providence Church is to glorify God by making, growing, and unleashing disciples of Jesus. That's the goal. Everything we do, we do with that in mind. Uh, and, a, and a disciple isn't just a, a Bible word for us. It's not just a word reserved for the, the super Christians out there. It's a word for for all of us who have made Jesus Lord of our lives. The disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus, plain and simple. And that's what we want to do, follow Jesus. So, so yeah, we're going all in for 2020. All in for 2020. We're asking ourselves that, that question, what does it look like to plug into Providence and be a part of the process, a part of the discipleship process, whether you're three years old, 13 years old, 30 or, or 65, and so on, there's a place for you here. That you're needed here, I would, I would say. We think here is a place where you can grow, and we're better off when we do this thing together. So two weeks ago, we started talking about uh, what does it look like, and, and we started with uh, front porch community groups and discipleship groups, two aspects, so to speak, two ways of belonging that we think are really important, and and, and like has already been said, if you, if, if, you're, if you don't know about that or you're maybe interested in that, just stick around today because there's literally two here. And that's pretty rare. But uh, So I'm excited to see what that's going to look like, discipleship, uh, front porch community groups meeting here at the church building. Um, but we think these things are important for a reason. So, you know, y- you can be here on Sundays, and obviously that's crucial. It's crucial to be here on Sundays. But there are six other days to the week. And I don't know about you, but... There are, th- those six other days on my weekly calendar can be a struggle for me sometimes. You know, I need the encouragement, the uh, accountability, the familiarity of a church family more than just one day a week. 
Now, we're not saying we need, to, we need to come here two, three, four days a week. I'm glad our church doesn't do that, let's be quite honest. Because if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're, a, you're the church, whether you're here or at home. Tony likes to say all the time that, that on Sundays we are the church gathered, and, and when we leave this place, we are the church still, we're the church scattered. And that's true whether you're at the creek for coffee or whether you're at the gym or whether you're at your office working during the week. We gather here on Sundays because we think the Bible is really clear that that's important and we should. Getting together is definitely important. But I need more than that as well. And that's where closer relationships are a really big deal and can be key. The, The truth is you can be a regular attender of church on Sundays and not be a disciple. That's a hard truth. And I would lovingly suggest that if that's where you are, if you want to push back on that, that idea, if you don't agree with that statement, if church on, if church on Sundays feels like enough for you and any more would be like overkill and, and oh man, I'm just, I'm just too busy and I mean, really we're all too busy, then maybe it's the case that you've missed how important God's family is to God's people. Maybe you've forgotten, or maybe, you, maybe you've never known what it's like to truly be known and belong, to be discipled and to be making disciples. If that's you, the time is now, because we're going all in. Next week, like, like he said, Jessica talked about uh, children's ministry and the, the giant responsibility we have as a church for that, that army of kids out in the classrooms in the back and even and in behind me as well. Uh, we can't take making disciples seriously if intentional replication of the joy we have in our hearts doesn't start in our own homes or our own children. And plus, we owe it to them as the future to go all in and partnering together to make sure that, that we help grow them as disciples. God will not judge us for how well-behaved our kids are. What's infinitely more important is how we point them to Jesus. And I'll be honest... I'm having a, a love-hate relationship with the gumballs so far. Um, you know, Tony said it starts with 9.36. It's probably more like 9.34 because I've been working here on the stage the last couple of days. But <laughs> I mean, who's going to count them, really? So and it looks great. I love the new logo that Jordan made, the graphic out front. Uh, it, it communicates exactly what we want to communicate when it comes to student ministry. But... You know, it, I've been a dad for less than two months, and when I think about I think about I think about Charlie, and I, I and I, I see that visual of those of those gumballs, and I see how it dwindles so fast. Just the, just the representation of that of, of of time like that, it's a little much for me at this at this stage in life. But I know it's true. I mean, we all know that it's it's true. Thank goodness for so many of you guys that, that pour into our, 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 our kids and invest in them. Our, our children's ministry is killing it, really. Uh, and Jessica talked last week about the questions that they get, that, that, that the kids ask the teachers on Sundays. You should see what I get in student ministry. And, and I'm being serious there. You know, uh, the, these past few years, especially as more and more of our kids have grown up uh, in our church and are starting middle school, starting student ministry, the ones that have grown up in Providence Kids, they, they, they have a depth and a, a maturity level um, when they get to student ministry. It's, it's definitely higher. 
And that's just a fact. And I know without a shadow of a doubt it's because the kids who grow up in our church hear the gospel every Sunday. Every Sunday morning they hear it. But now, and now it's my turn to talk about the other half of the table, like Tony said. And I'm excited to share with you a little bit about my heart for student ministry and, and the way our team works uh, within the framework of our church. If you can, I'd like to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 20. I want to read there in just a minute. Acts chapter 20. I'll, we'll be there briefly, and I'll, I'll bounce around just a little bit as well. But um, as you turn there, let me just say that this student ministry is a crazy world. It's very, it's, and that's saying it lightly. Uh, on the one hand, the kids keep me young, but it's undeniable that I had a little bit more hair when I started. Um, and so it's been a crazy, gosh, I don't know how many years. I, I've been working with Providence students since sometime late 2012, early 2013, when I went from part-time to full-time here at the church. And um, it's been a wild ride ever since. Two couples, um, Tony and Reed Runyon and uh, Jacob and Jordan Lemons, actually started the student ministry way back when, when, the, when our church first started. Um, they didn't have any kids at the time, and so they just kind of adopted the half dozen or so that, that we did have, and they just, they just went to town on it. And so a lot of the credit goes to them for, for setting the foundation for what, for what we do now. Um, but let me start reading in uh, Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 22. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And this is the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> and now, behold... I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So chapter 20 in Acts is a pretty pivotal chapter. Uh, midway through it we find Paul determined to go to Jerusalem. And... When he says the words that we just read, he's in Ephesus, a city he spent quite a bit of time in earlier on. Um, and it's strange here because he, it seems that he knows something is different. Um, the Apostle Paul was no, no, no stranger to saying goodbye. Uh, as a traveling evangelist and a church planter, it was kind of the name for the, of the game for Paul. You know, he, he moved around a lot, never stayed in one place very long um, because there was so much work to be done. There were, there were uh, huge areas of... of where, where people needed to hear the gospel of Jesus for the first time. There were churches needed to be planted, leaders needed to be raised up. But you need only read some of his letters in the New Testament to see, that his, to see his affection for the people who became his brothers and sisters in Christ. He cared deeply for the people uh, he left behind. And he tried the best he could to, to visit them again and to check on them, see how they were doing, obviously. Most of Paul's letters in the New Testament mention his desire to visit again. But here, in Acts chapter 20, at Ephesus, Paul says, you won't see me again in this lifetime. Uh, it's safe to say he expected a pretty 
um, not-so-warm welcome when he got to Jerusalem. If you read the next two chapters in Acts, you'll see how close he came to actually being put on a cross, just like Jesus. But obviously, we know God had a lot more work to do with Paul. Um, but the reason I think this passage is so important for us today, um, as we talk about discipleship, as we talk about student ministry, as we talk about going all in, can be found in verses 26 and 27. Uh, I'll read those again. Verses 26 and 27. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Why would Paul say that he's innocent of their blood? That's kind of a morbid way of saying goodbye. It's not something I would say uh, to another person, to be quite honest. But what he's literally saying is, my hands are clean. It's because he knows that he'll never see these people again. He'll never have another chance to, to hug their neck and, and remind them of the gospel, to talk to them and to teach them about Jesus. At this point, all he can say is what he's already said. And Paul knows that he can look them in the eye and say, I've done my job because I didn't shrink back. I didn't neglect. I wasn't afraid to teach, to teach you the whole counsel of God, not just some not just the, the fun parts, not just the, the easy parts, the whole counsel of God. So he can say, I've done my part. The, the work God gave me to do in your lives. He can say goodbye to these people with a clean conscience and commit them to the future with gladness. You can imagine where I'm going with this. Paul's words really hit home for me. As I think about these last couple jars on the table and the, the gumballs inside and the, and the time they represent, it reminds me that I have a really, really important job. It's a strange game we get to play in student ministry. And I don't say game as in like a disingenuous kind of way. It's a combination of lightheartedness and seriousness at the same time. My job is to make it as fun as I can because obviously I want our students to come. I want them to want to come and have fun while they're there. And I want them to invite their friends. But at the same time, the nature of our time together is obviously very serious and urgent even. I mean, when a student starts middle school, 364 weeks do they have left in the home normally, unless you're like me, and it's been another couple of years after college, but by the time they start high school, 208 weeks. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a daunting, it's a daunting thing. So I don't take lightly the fact that each Wednesday, I get an opportunity to share something that could be eternity changing. And when I stand before God one day, and, and I give account for the time that I, that I have with them, my prayer is that I'll be able to say, like Paul, that I did the best I could. So that in the, in the seven years or however long that we get with them, before they finish high school, they'll have, something, they'll have received something so much more valuable than just a, a place to hang out on Wednesday nights. It's, a, it's an important task we have. But again, Paul is so encouraging. Look again at verses uh, 23 and 24. Acts chapter 20, uh, 23 and 24. He knows that what God is calling him to is hard. He's been there before. He knows that 
that his obedience to this task will cost him something. But verse 24, I mean, is there anything more that you and I could ask for as a Christian? Verse 24, I mean, what a prayer that that is. It looks like it's straight out of the, you know, the John the Baptist. Uh, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. And, you know, compared to Paul in the New Testament, the, the roles here are reversed in that in student ministry, it's the, it's the teachers who stay and the students come and go. Um, although I would never say to a graduating student, you know, you'll never see my face again. It's, it's, it's a tough truth that change is such a big part of the Christian experience. Can't imagine as a parent uh, staring down those last few gumballs. Uh, I think of so many of our, our old students, uh, and some are even here. Um, and while I, and I, while I enjoy keeping up with so many of them to see what they're doing, whether it be college or and work after that, obviously it's not the same, our relationship. And is that sad a little bit sometimes? Sure. But I know it's right. I, I know that's good. I know that's the way things should be. That, that, that things change make, makes the time we have special. It makes time count. Which is why in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says this. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. That standard of, of teaching is what I think Paul means when he says in Acts chapter 20, the whole counsel of God. It's a certain way of teaching and learning about Jesus week after week. A, a, a standard that is, that is set and met. They received it from Paul I want our, our students to get it from our student ministry. Paul says it in a different way. Um, writing to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 6.20, he says, Guard the deposit entrusted to you. And we see that again in, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Same word is there, although it's not translated in English, funny enough. It says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust this deposit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's the goal. That's the goal of Providence students, to make, grow, and unleash, to send them out. And when it's time for them to be unleashed, when we're out of gumballs, we want to unleash them equipped with a priceless deposit. A standard of teaching, the whole counsel of God. So that when they go off into the wide world, they are rooted in the gospel and understand their purpose in, in life is to share what they've been entrusted with. To be disciples that make disciples. That's what we want to do. So now let me share with you just a little bit about how we try to do that. Because midweek on Wednesdays is more than just me teaching them. It's actually just a, a small part of it. My goal for student ministry is uh, that it reflect the church's overall discipleship strategy. Uh, in Providence, like you've heard multiple times so far this morning, we have front porch community groups, discipleship groups, and then a Sunday gathering where we are right now. Um, and any of those are great things to invite someone to. They're, they're, they're front doors, so to speak, 
for you to get engaged and hopefully get involved in all the other opportunities that we have as well. I want midweek to have all those things. Uh, so since most of you probably haven't come on Wednesday night to witness the chaos firsthand, uh, this is what a normal midweek looks like. So for the first 30 minutes or so, it's just pure craziness. And that's putting it mildly. Um, you know, I've got, I've got food, um, snacks. Last week we got, we got pizza from across the street. I'm trying to get them good and hyped up on caffeine. Um, and so yeah, I've got music. The music's playing in here. Uh, the boys are usually playing football, whether it be in the alley or in here. Sometimes they do, too, if it's cold. Um, the girls are, are grouped up doing whatever girls do. Um, I leave them alone for the most part during, during this section of the evening. Um, but, you know, this is the front porch community part of midweek, of student ministry. You know, we're all just hanging out, relaxing, having fun, just being together, basically. So then for the next 30 minutes, we come in here um, to the big room, as I call it. And middle school, high school leaders, uh, we're all together. And uh, we might play a game. We might watch a, a funny video. I like, I like to tell really bad jokes. They like to make fun of me for telling bad jokes. And then I'll, 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 we'll have announcements, and then there's a lesson. 15, 20 minutes tops. That's it. Um, this, that is the, the Sunday morning part of student ministry um, where we hear the word. I or another leader will teach. They try to listen. So then for the last 30 minutes, we, we, we split up out of the big group and uh, into small groups. Now, sometimes we split up just into two groups, guys and girls. Other times we like to split up further, uh, middle and high school. It just depends on numbers. depends on the amount of kids that are there, and the amount of leaders that we have. Um, this is the discipleship group part of student ministry, where we actually have conversations about the lesson, whatever that might be. We talk about the Bible. We really talk about anything's on the table. We pray and we, we grow together. All those aspects of belonging and community are things we encourage all adults to be involved in. We want to provide our students with the same opportunities. We just do all of them at midweek on Wednesday nights. So parents, I hope you understand a little bit of the method to the madness. If you, you know, when you pick them up and they're, they're everywhere, um, it's just because they're having fun. Um, we're not just babysitting these kids, these students. Everything we do from going to play mini golf over at Mossy Creek or when we go to beach camp and lake camp in the summer, all of those things are designed to foster a sense of belonging um, to, to one another and to the group so that we'll have a, an opportunity to impact students. That's why having fun along the way is so important. A couple of things I want you to know about, about what we do. Um, none of this works without help. One of the biggest ways you can help Providence students is to be at midweek. I would love the place to be just packed out with people. Let me first talk to parents about this, though. Um, parents, there is definitely a way that I could use you to help make midweek even better than it already is. Not every kid is repulsed at the idea of a parent staying and being involved. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. It actually sends an amazing message. And the reason I want as many parents to be there as possible on Wednesdays is because nobody should be more interested in what we're doing than you should. 
myself or Kristen or any of our other volunteers cannot be the primary disciplers of our kids. Sometimes we have to be, but it's definitely not the way it should be. We can have a huge influence, and, and thank goodness for that. But at the end of the day, we can only supplement and not replace your role as parents in their lives. That's why we talk so much about partnering together for these precious few years that we have. The fact that we're getting down to just a few gumballs left makes it even more critical. I know staying on Wednesdays isn't an option for everybody, so, so even more than that, I want to know how I can help you as parents continue the conversations we have on Wednesdays at the dinner table, on Mondays and Fridays and all other, all other days of the week. I want parents of middle and high school students to never wonder what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. And I want to equip you, parents, with whatever uh, resources and encouragement that I, I can so we're all pulling in the same direction. We can't afford to be wasting these valuable years not working together. We've got to go all in for these students. So for those of you that don't have a middle school or high school student at home, your involvement can be just as crucial uh, to what we want to accomplish. I had a parent tell me just this past week, really, that, you know, we try to uh, teach certain things. You, you try to show them something. Uh, you work with a kid on something over and over again. But then when someone else says it, all of a sudden, sometimes they just they get it. I know it's going to be a frustrating thing, but we know that's true. We need that on Wednesdays. None of what I just described to you about, about midweek or works unless we have people volunteer to help. And we've got some great volunteers. If I, if I took much time to talk about them, I, I'd honestly get emotional. They mean so much to, to Kristen and I. What they do is just so crucial. I, I, can't, I can't do it. That's, that's not my job. We don't, we don't design it so that I have the responsibility to, to, to be that person in every kid's life. I, I need help. The more people we have here, the better things, the better things will go. The more people we have willing to plug in and be a positive influence on, on, on students, the more, the more small groups we can have. The more students we can serve, the stronger our relationships will be and the more effective we can be at making disciples. Right now, it's a great problem to have. But we've got more kids than we can serve well coming on Wednesdays. So we need help. If the thought of getting involved with students makes you all shaky, trust me, they're not that bad. And they're kind of bad. They're not that bad. Seriously, the way, the way I feel about some of the students that we've unleashed in the past, I'm not going to look at Tori, I'm going to get emotional. The way I feel about, about them, when I think about the memories we've made and the things we've done, it's easily some of the greatest blessings that God has given me in my life. It's not rocket science what we do. Um, if you're just goofy and comfortable being goofy and honest and real with kids, that's all we can ask for. The less perfect you are, the more they will accept you as one of their own. I found that to be true. So I want to close with uh, a few more words from Paul. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 is fairly well known. It says, 
let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I read this not just to the students in the room, though it's certainly my prayer that they would, that, uh, that in their time of, of being a part of Providence students, that w- would entrust them with that kind of high standard because they're certainly capable of it. But I close with this verse because <clears throat> it's impossible for anyone to, to learn these things. Good conduct, speech, love, faith, purity, on our own. We have to be taught. Paul taught Timothy. Somebody taught you, if you know these things. It's inerrant in being a disciple to be sharing with others what you know. I would go so far as to say you can't, you can't know what it's like to truly be a disciple until you try to make disciples. If you wait until you feel ready, you'll, you'll, you'll be waiting forever. And we don't have forever, quite honestly. There are a lot of ways we can serve each other here at Providence. It's impossible to waste your time investing in others, especially young people. We have to pass on what we know. If God's, it, it, it's God's work. You know, saving our kids is not something we can do. Faith is a gift only God can give. But praise God. Praise God he uses us in our brokenness and our failures to show others grace and what it means to have a second chance. If you don't know what that's like, if that doesn't make sense to you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus and started that process of being a disciple, come find me. I'd love to talk to you about it. It's time to go all in. No matter where you are in life, you may have a two-month-old at home like me, or you might have a, a, a senior in high school, and you're staring into the abyss of the future with them. You may not have kids of your own at all. And maybe your kids are grown, and you're out of gumballs. Take a look out front here in just a couple minutes. We've got plenty of gumballs. There's a place for you here. It's time to go all in. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for a place to call home that our church family is. That you've given us such a great responsibility to, to share the gospel with kids, just dozens and dozens and dozens of kids. Why, why you've entrusted us with that, I, I, I can't say other than the fact that that you've put people here for a reason to impact them. And I thank you for that opportunity. Help us to be better disciples wherever it is that you've called us to serve. Call us. For those of us that feel like we're, we're stretched too thin, like we're too busy, and we have nothing to offer, remind us, God, that it's you that works through us. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. We are just vessels that you use. We are, we are, tools to be used for a purpose so much greater than we can ever imagine. 
God, when we feel like we're, like we feel like we're dead, like we feel like we're empty, remind us that it's you that gives us life, that gives us strength to carry out what, what you've designed for us. What an amazing gift it is that you would use sinners like us. That's an amazing, that's a, an amazing thing we get to sing about today. Thank you so much for the good news of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray.